0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, May 31st, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. New estimates place the Puerto Rico death toll following Hurricane Maria at several thousand. And yet the Jones Act continues to impose enormous economic costs on the small island. Colin Grabo is a trade policy analyst at the Cato Institute. He discusses the Jones Act, how we got it, and why it needs to go away. There is a new study out um, from in the New England Journal of Medicines, a Harvard study, it estimates that 4,645 deaths approximately can be linked to uh, Hurricane Maria, the hurricane that devastated Puerto Rico. And it seems that those problems have not gotten any better. We have a lot of rules that uh, govern how Puerto Rico deals with the rest of the united states puerto rico is not a state it is a commonwealth a something what is it a protectorate is that right
1: i believe it's a commonwealth yeah
0: so um to what extent have the extra costs that have been imposed on uh puerto rico by what's known as the jones act how have that has that made the death toll larger in your view
1: Well, I can't speak to the Jones Act's contributions to uh, this revised death toll that's been put out uh, with regard to Puerto Rico. Uh, What I can say is we know for a fact the Jones Act is an economic burden on Puerto Rico and has been for decades. Um, We have numerous examples of costs being inflated because of the Jones Act. Uh, So we know that the cost to transport aid to Puerto Rico is higher than what it would otherwise be, but as far as how that may directly contribute to the death toll, I don't want to speculate on that.
0: Okay, so we've had the Jones Act since 1920. Yes. And what are the what are the technical details that impose costs on uh, U.S. ports and the people who consume products that come from U.S. ports?
1: Sure. So the Jones Act consists of four main requirements. These are that any ship which transports cargo from one U.S. port to another has to be flagged and registered in the United States. It has to be at least 75% U.S. owned. It has to be at least 75% U.S. crewed. And the ship has to be built in the United States. So this has a few effects, uh, one of which is that the United States, it is illegal if you want to operate between US. ports to buy a ship that is built overseas. The problem here is that the United States is not the low-cost producer when it comes to these types of ships. Uh, it's been estimated that these coastwise ships, um, these are smaller capacity ships that tend to sail along coasts, they cost anywhere from six to eight times more in the United States than they would abroad. So, A ship that costs $30 million, say built in China or South Korea, would cost up to $240 million here in the United States. So the carriers which transport goods, they have to buy these ships. They have inflated costs. They pass those along to consumers. The other thing that the Jones Act does is that by imposing these restrictions, it prohibits the ability of foreign carriers to transport goods between US ports. So it's reduced competition. So this combination of reduced competition and inflated costs translates into higher goods for everything that's transported in the United States, even if they don't travel by ship, because increased, uh, you know, the, the high costs translate into increased demand for trucking for rail. So this is felt. This reverberates throughout the economy. We all pay this Jones Act tax.
0: So with respect to uh, the the, sh- the ships have to be 75 percent. With a seventy five percent of the crew has to be uh u s citizens
1: either United states citizens or or permanent residents all right
0: and uh, the ship has to be seventy five percent u s owned. And 100% U.S. produced.
1: So that's that. That's a great question, and it's it's a little bit it's less straightforward than what it may first appear. So the ship has to be assembled in the United States. But what is built or manufactured? What does that really mean? Because if you look at some of these shipyards which produce the ships, for example, the shipyard in Philadelphia, it's owned by a Norwegian company. Uh, There's a shipyard uh, that produces – there's only a handful of of yards that are capable of producing these ocean-going vessels. Uh, Another one is found in Mississippi. It's uh, partly owned by the government of Singapore. So we have foreign ownership. The designs for these ships are often a foreign design that are uh, provided to the shipyards. Uh, The parts uh, oftentimes, for example, the engines uh, are foreign sourced the the US shipbuilding industry is not immune from global supply chains um, what is 100% US built or actually uh, more like 90% 98.5% US built is the superstructure and the hull those have to be entirely fabricated in the United States
0: so we know that Puerto Rico has has borne this economic burden disproportionately has it contributed to the debt That the public sector in Puerto Rico has accrued, which is massive.
1: Well, it it has to the extent, I mean, there's a number of factors behind that debt. I mean, we have to think about uh, government spending there, of course, factoring heavily. But to the extent it has repressed economic activity and thus depressed tax revenue and also perhaps driven up uh, demand for social services because um, people are, are, are more impoverished or struggling than they would otherwise be, it has certainly contributed.
0: And just public sector purchases. Right. The public sector has to buy goods and goods and services as well that are put on put onto boats and shipped. Yeah. So uh, I'm stuck on this uh, point with respect to uh, where these ships are uh, constructed, because that's the piece of capital that allows the shipping business to exist. And you say the costs are six to eight times higher in the United States. We we know we know from some studies that uh the cost of shipping goods to and from Puerto Rico is w- way higher than it is uh for neighboring islands.
1: Yes, it's roughly double.
0: All right. So if if that do we have estimates about what the t- that total burden is for uh po- port cities or uh island states?
1: Well, There have been a few estimates done. So for Puerto Rico specifically, there was a study done in 2010, I believe, by a couple of Puerto Rican economists of the University of Puerto Rico, and they placed the annual burden of the Jones Act at something like $570 million. Uh, That was actually down. Um, If you had gone back to the year 2000, it was about a billion dollars per year, but the Puerto Rican economy has declined. And along with it, uh, there's less economic activity. So the cost of the Jones Act has has declined, according to that estimate. Uh, the GAO back in 1988 released a report, which said the bur- placed the burden on Alaska as something like between I think $500 to $1,200 per Alaskan. If you break down the total figure, uh, the uh, Congressional Research Service released a report and. That said, uh, the, the burden on Alaska was on, on Alaskan households was anywhere from I believe, two thousand to around five thousand dollars per household. So there, there are different estimates out there.
0: Is there any appetite for uh, getting rid of this? There obviously there are some industries that really care a great deal about maintaining their uh, privilege. Is there any appetite in Congress to to get rid of it? I know that uh, the the president a while back. Uh, waived portions of it. What about getting it off the books?
1: So there's been, uh, I believe back in 2015, Senator John McCain of Arizona offered an amendment to a bill that would have uh, scrapped the Jones Act that failed. Uh, I'm actually not even sure that uh, came up for a vote. More recently, there was an effort to pass a waiver, a permanent waiver for Puerto Rico in the wake of the hurricanes. um, That attracted co-sponsorship. from That was uh, an effort by John McCain, as well as Senator Mike Lee of Utah. Uh, To my knowledge, that has not advanced or gone anywhere. So I think a real shame about the Jones Act is, like I said, this is a tax that all of us pay. Um, And yet, I think it goes unseen, unremarked upon, and there is no sustained effort in Congress currently to to get this law removed.
0: What can be done short of that?
1: So short of outright repeal of the Jones Act, I I think that one very useful step would be to eliminate the domestic build requirement, that requirement that the ships engaged in transport between U.S. ports be built in the United States. This uh, provision is out of sync not only internationally. There are very few countries which have similar requirements on the books, uh, but it's also out of step with our own laws. In the aviation sector, for example, we don't require that aviation companies uh, or airlines buy their Uh, planes domestically. They can buy from Airbus. They can buy from Bombardier, from Embraer, wherever. Uh, We don't do that for trucking. We don't do that for rail. So at the very least, I think a good starting point would be eliminating that domestic build requirement and bringing the Jones Act and sea transport in line with our regulation of other transport sectors.
0: Colin Grabo is a trade policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.